Oh, too much fun. Well, don't get, don't get serious yet. Just get expectant. Let your heart be open tonight. We have the most amazing privilege as a church here tonight to have all the way from the eighth state of Australia. Because <laughs> this morning you called us the West the west side of New Zealand, okay? So the, so the West Island of New Zealand. So I think it's the, uh, the seventh state or the ninth territory, whatever you want to call it. All the way from New Zealand. How many New Zealanders are in the house tonight? Give us a wave. Fantastic. So many, so many. We love, we're Anzacs. We love Kiwis. All the way from New Zealand. Pastor John Cameron, if you've never heard him before, is a brilliant communicator, a brilliant revelator of the Word of God. Him and his wife, Gillian, have been friends of ours for many years. It's over 20 years ago before we were the senior pastors of this church that Pastor John came and stayed in our home and did a youth camp when we were both youth pastors and did a youth camp uh, for our church. And ever since then, uh, we've watched and and shared and connected over the journey of a, a miraculous journey that God has led them on, seeing their church arise church, uh, so so quickly grow to become New Zealand's largest church across eight locations plus an online location, literally changing the nation for Jesus Christ. There's a move of God sweeping across New Zealand and I believe it's going to actually come out of New Zealand into many other nations and it's under the apostolic leadership of John and Gillian Cameron. It's a great privilege for us to have him in the house tonight. So I want us to stand to our feet, put our hands together and welcome Pastor John Cameron! Let's give Jesus some praise. Come on. Praise Jesus. Amen. Our God, we stand in your presence tonight expectant that any moment with you can change our lives. We ask you, Lord, come have your way in this service. We thank you for fun and laughter and a spirit of joy. We think of Nehemiah 8.10 where we were commanded don't weep, don't fast, don't mourn, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And I de- we're declaring over our lives miracles and your word to be fulfilled and strength to fill this house in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Let's praise God. Come on. Thank you very much. Well, why don't you slap a high five with somebody? Grab a seat. Thank you, worship team. Will be wonderful. Are you all doing well? I just want to apologize right at the start for my voice. But unfortunately, I've had a few weeks off preaching, and then yesterday must have gone a bit too hard. And normally my voice bounces back really quickly. Unfortunately, it didn't. So this is what I've got. I'm going to give it everything. And. We're going to have some fun, all right? Now, at the end of this message tonight, I I do have a word for you. I'm really expecting. I'm praying that God will breathe upon my voice and that we'll make it through this sermon. But at the end of this message, all things being equal, we're going to give people an, an opportunity to be prayed for tonight who are asking God for significant things in their lives. And I believe that this is going to be a year. I believe this is going to be a year where over people's lives, God is going to give us great miracles. This is going to be a year of God's favor, a year of open doors, a year of God's blessing, a year of greater things. Do you believe that? 
And I want to encourage every person just to keep your faith nice and high. And let's believe God for something very, very special. Because our God is in this house. Do you believe that this evening? Jeremy uh, Moore, back there, my fellow Kiwi from, from the Manawatu, Palmerston North. Can anything good come out of Palmerston North? Jeremy can. Jeremy, I uh, actually felt like God saying that he has got so much more for you in the next season of your life. I really felt like in prayer, God told me that he has another season for you. That a page has been turned and that you are stepping in to another day, another wave, another wave. It's about to break over your life. There's nothing like being in the waves and having the experience of the wave and then the confusion and the lull that follows. And what I saw behind you was a new wave beginning to build. And God's saying over your life that you need to go into a season of renewed expectation. Don't allow any doubt or fear to come near you. The doubt and fear will lead to apathy and a lack of movement. But God says, no, no fear, no doubt. Embrace bold steps. Be tenacious, be courageous, and go hard. God is calling you in this next season to himself. A fresh season where you will be close to your God, where you will spend time with him. God is wanting to teach you. There is new, I'm sorry, there is new instruction coming to your life, a new word. And God will give you a fresh word. And when his word is in you, like Jeremiah said, it will be a hammer that will break the rock in pieces. I love you. We love you, Jesus. Come on, let's give our God some praise. Let's go to Joshua, the book of Joshua, the book of Joshua, chapter 15. It's kind of Brian Houston-esque, isn't it? Let's go to Joshua, chapter 15, verse 18. Joshua, chapter 15 and verse 18. My entire message, thankfully, can be summarized tonight in one simple word. The word is ask. A-S-K, ask. I want you to whack five people and tell them it's time to ask. Just tell them it's time to ask. It's time to ask. It's time to ask. Joshua 15 and verse 18. When, when Axa when married Othniel, she urged him, to ask her father for a field. As she got down off her donkey, Caleb asked her, what's the matter? She said, give me another gift. You have already given me land in the Negev. Now, please give me springs of water too. So Caleb gave her the upper and lower springs. When Axa married Othniel, she urged him to ask her father for a field. As she got down off her donkey, Caleb asked her, what's the matter? She said, give me another gift, a 
another gift, another gift. You have already given me land in the Negev. Now, please give me springs of water too. So Caleb gave her the upper and lower springs. 40 years, 40 years before this verse was written, Caleb, Joshua, and 10 other losers whose names we will never remember were sent out by Moses to survey the promised land. They spent 40 days in the promised land. During those 40 days, at one moment, Caleb looked up, saw a beautiful mountain. He said, I'd like to build my home right there. As he said those words in his heart, have you ever gotten excited about something? As he said those words in his heart, God said to him, I'm going to give you that very mountain. It took 40 years. For 40 years, he had to wait. For 40 years, he had to remain faithful. For 40 years, he had to keep his expectation alive. Oh, I don't have time to digress into that, my friends. But I want you to know that a promise from God alive in your heart will renew your years. It'll fill you with health and vitality. As a Christian believer, you were never meant to live a day of your life without expectation. You were never meant to live a moment of your life without a belief that God has got something great ahead. If you can breathe in tonight, if you can exhale air from your lungs, you haven't lived your best day yet. You haven't seen God's greatest miracle yet. You haven't walked in your best season yet. And if you believe that, I need a loud amen out there this evening. I'm going to give you that mountain. 40 years later, 40 years later, they crossed that, prom that Jordan River and stepped into the promised land. They conquered Jericho. They conquered Ai. Other towns fell until finally Caleb walks up to his friend, now leader, a man by the name of Joshua. He said to Joshua these words. He said, Joshua, give me my mountain. And for many Christians, and especially many young people, get a very big key in that question. Give me my mountain. He wasn't saying, do the work for me. He wasn't saying, send soldiers for me. He was saying, simply let me, release me, let me go. If you give me permission, I'll take the steps. Friends, there are many things in our lives that God is waiting to give us but not give us supernaturally. It's not going to fall into your lap. But when we take steps, when we are bold, when we are audacious, God said, I will give you every place where you set your foot. And we need a generation of step-taking, faith-walking, bold and courageous for the things of God. And if you believe you're that generation, praise Him for about three seconds in this place tonight. Give me my mountain. He said, give me my mountain. Joshua said, go. And off he went. They reached the base of the mountain. And halfway up that mountain of Hebron was one town called Deba, D-E-B-I-R. And Caleb knew, if I can take that town, I can take that mountain. Now, Caleb's old. He's been around for a long time. He's 80 years old and he knows how to motivate men. 
he turns to all of his soldiers and he says, hey boys, hey young men, have you seen my daughter AXA? Their response is a bit awkward. They don't know whether to be excited or kind of look down, but they know that AXA is a babe. One by one, they're all like, yes, we've seen your daughter. We've kind of noticed your daughter. Caleb's response, this salty old dog who knows how to get men to do anything. He says, if you take that town for me, the guy who takes it can have AXA as his wife. Listen, men will do anything to get the girl. They rushed up that hill and one brave young warrior, his name was Othniel. Othniel took that town. He came back and Caleb, faithful to his word, gave him AXA to be his wife. On their wedding day, Caleb generously gave them a bunch of land. He gave them land and then off on honeymoon, they went. They went on their honeymoon and as they were making their way back to Caleb's house, our passage of scripture begins. Approaching daddy's house, Axa turns to her new husband as they ride on their donkeys. And she said, honey, when we get to dad's house, Gangnam Star? Is that, that's the floss. I don't know what that is. Maybe Pastor John could jump up here and whip it Gangnam Star. Quiet in the cheap seats, please. <laughs> oh, we're having fun tonight. As they're making their way to Caleb's house, Axa turns to her brand new husband and says, baby, when we get to daddy's house, I want you to ask him for the other piece of land that has the springs of water in it. This is his military leader his hero, the commander of his army, who just gave him his daughter and a field. Othniel turns to his wife and he says, there's no way I'm asking for that. He gave me you, he gave me land. I'm not asking for anything else. I don't want him to kill me. He says, there's no way I'm gonna do that. Access says, no darling, when we get there, you should ask him. He says, I'm not gonna ask him. She says, no darling, you need to ask. Temperatures begin to rise. People begin to see red. Axis says, no, baby, when we get there, you need to ask him. And as the family home comes into view, Othniel turns to his brand new bride and says, zip the lip, I'm not asking him. Now, friends, let me give you a lesson. If your father-in-law has his own army, don't argue with his daughter as you're approaching his house. Literally, the Bible tells us that as they get to Caleb's house, he looks at his princess and he says, baby, what's the matter? He's literally thinking, if this guy isn't treating you well, I've got a whole other army of guys out the back. Othniel, Othniel is intrepid and afraid. Axa simply hops down off the donkey and she says, Dad, you already gave us land in the Negev, but would you please now give us springs of water 
two. Would you give me more? Would you give me more? And the Bible just simply says that Caleb gave her the upper and the lower springs. I read that passage of scripture just recently. And when I read it, something leapt in my spirit. That so often our Christian faith is a story of axes and Othniels. Of Christians who have all the dream in the world, all the desire in the world. Yet for some reason, we become so reluctant to ask. We, we are intrepid in our prayers. We are reluctant in our requests. We hold back on the things we really want. We wander through our Christian experience, but for some reason, we never come before God with bold and crazy prayers. And as we're starting into 2019, I don't believe for a second that your God is reluctant to answer your prayers. I don't think he is belligerent when he blesses his people. And I certainly don't think that our God is unable to fulfill his word. I don't know about you, but I've got a feeling that God's looking for someone in 2019 who's ready and willing to ask. Are you that person? Whack somebody near you and say, time to ask, time to ask, time to ask, time to ask. See, friends, friends, I don't know how it happened. I don't know where it came from. But somewhere in our Western Christianity, we are bought into a logic that somehow God doesn't want us to ask. As children, we are taught, be happy with what you have. Be content with what you've got and do not ask for more. And ingrained in our culture is to be grateful, satisfied, and zip it. But friends, when we turn to our Bible, we quickly realize that this is half truth and half deceit. We should be grateful with what we have. I don't know about you, but I can breathe today. I've got a reason to be happy. I've got a reason to be thankful. I'm here with you. What a great blessing. I could be in Belclutha or Invercargill, but I'm in Malulabar on the Sunshine Coast. It's not freezing. It's sunny. And the people are good looking. I'm blessed by God. I have every reason to be thankful. But friends, the Bible never says that you should take your thankfulness and bring a, bring a, a benign request to God. No, the Bible says that we should turn every blessing He's ever given us, every, every seed He's ever sown into our lives, every testimony we have to His faithfulness, and we should turn that towards heaven with the knowledge that if God brought me this far, He could take me a whole lot further. Come on. If he's already answered these prayers, he can answer more prayers. God doesn't want his people sitting back. God doesn't want his people standing still. God wants a people with a big prayer and a bold prayer and a belief that their God will answer them when they come to him. If you believe that, shout amen. When you consider your Bible, you'll realize that the Bible is filled with a theme. And that theme is ask. James 4.2, you do not have because you do not ask God. 
Luke 11, 9. Ask and keep on asking and it will be given you. Matthew 7, 11, Your Father in heaven gives good gifts to those who ask. John 16, 24. Ask and you will receive. Did you know that in the four gospels, 11 times Jesus mentioned the word forgive? 11 times. 11 times Jesus said that we should forgive. Yet when you read your Bible, my friends, in those same four gospels are 14 entire passages devoted to Jesus teaching his followers that we should ask. We have the Lord's Prayer. That's about asking God. We have the widow who would not give up. We have the the friend who wants the bread at midnight. We have passage after the the prodigal son asked to be welcomed back. And the Bible is alive with a theme that God doesn't want your mouth empty. He doesn't want your heart without a greater expectation. God wants a generation that are going to prevail upon heaven. I'm asking, I'm asking, I'm asking for more. I'm asking for a breakthrough. I'm asking for my school. I'm asking for my family. I'm asking for my workplace. I'm asking for my way with children. I'm asking for my health. I'm asking. Is there anybody out there ready to ask tonight? It is all too easy, all too easy to find a Christian who resembles Othniel, Othniel, a brave young warrior for God. Some young believer willing to take a stand for Jesus, yet reluctant to ask for anything at all. The challenge with our faith is that we have called timidity humility. And we have become reluctant to ask for anything. And if I've just got a theme for tonight, my theme is simply this, that God is looking for a people that are gonna begin to prevail upon heaven. Take his word make it real and start asking God for so much more. When Jillian and I moved to Wellington 16 years ago to pioneer what is now called Arise Church, I was 29, my wife was 26. We moved to that city with a dream in our hearts. No funding, no money. We've been youth pastors our whole lives. We'd only been on two incomes for one year. We'd saved everything that we could and we'd gotten together a first home buyer's deposit. When we moved to Wellington and we started that church, the truth was the bills were here and the money was here. And so we took that deposit and we sowed it into that church, believing that God was going to use it not for a physical house, but for his spiritual home. We knew what it meant. We knew that seed might mean that we never owned our own home, but we were happy and believe in God for great things. We were so grateful, so happy, until our children were born. And when my daughter was born, suddenly something changed in me. I was like, God, we need a home. We need a place to raise these children. So I started praying every day. If you don't own your own home, here's a verse for you. Psalm 78, verse three. Even the sparrow has a home, a swallow a nest, a place where she may raise her young, a place near your altar. I began to pray every day that God would give us a home. And the truth was, guys, knowing my personality, if you did, I didn't just want any home. I wanted the home. I want a home that was new because it's freezing cold in my city. I want a home that had insulation, brand new. 
I wanted a home with a view so it would inspire me for creativity. And I wanted a home that was near the city because all of our church at that stage was just young adults and they needed to get to our home. And so I said to God, I want a house that's new, a house with a view, and a house that's close to the city of Wellington. Then I began to look for these houses. And let's just say our budget and their price didn't come anywhere near each other. But I kept looking, I kept looking, kept praying that scripture. One day I saw this house and I thought there must be a mistake. That price can't be right. But I went and had a look at it and it was what's called a Wellington walk-up. You parked at the street, you walked up 52 stairs and there was the house. But once you got to the house, it was in a bush sanctuary, a, a bird sanctuary surrounded by native bush, a massive view over all of Wellington. And we made an offer and we bought that home. The day we, the day we moved in, the day we moved in, I got all the church to help me because you could only lift about three things up those stairs and then your legs give out. I had about 15 boys. We moved, in. we moved into that house in about an hour. We got in, put my daughter to bed and I stood outside the house. I looked up at the stars. It was in the bush so you could see all the stars. And I said, God, and I began to cry. I said, God, I can't believe you give me a house like this. I just can't believe it. I can't believe that. I said I'd give you my life. I thought I'd be poor forever. I can't believe you gave me a house like this. And God spoke into my heart, and this is what he said. He said, John, if you would ask me, I would give you nations. If you would ask me, it was like God was saying, you think this house is some big deal to me? You think I had to move heaven and earth to give you a stupid little house? John, if you would ask me, I would give you nations. Well, something changed on the inside of me. I began to say that very day, God, I don't want a church that just touches one city. I want to build a church of influence that touches an entire nation. I'm telling you what the Lord has done. What the Lord has done from that day to this is absolutely incredible. But a testament to one thing, that when people begin to ask him, God begins to move. We heard it in prayer this evening from somebody, Second Chronicles 7:14. When my people who are called by my name begin to pray, guys, when we start asking, miracles start happening. Literally. Axel walks up to her father and she says, you gave me land, now give me springs. You gave me a house, now give me a nation. You saved my soul, now save my family. You took me out of debt, now prosper me so I can bless other people. God doesn't want us, church. You gave us a campus in Malulaba. Now give us one in Melbourne. God doesn't want us stopping where we are. He doesn't want us with empty prayers. He wants some people that are going to start to pray some great and mighty prayers. Come on, if you believe it, give him praise in this place today. It's time to ask. It's time to ask. In April of 2002, Jillian and I, made our first ever visit to Wellington. I'd only been to the city once before. I had a hall booked. 
100 metres from the beach in Takapuna, which is about as close as New Zealand gets to Malulabar Beach. It's an absolutely beautiful spot. Jillian and I love the beach. We were like, we're going to plant a church here. We're going to live here. This is God's will. And then everywhere I went, God kept saying to me, Wellington, 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 Wellington. And I kept saying, I bind you, devil. I bind you, devil. I bind you, devil. Finally, we couldn't ignore it. This is what God wants. So we jumped on a plane and we went to Wellington. I'm sorry for my voice. I hope you can still hear me. When we, when we got to Wellington, honestly, we had the worst weekend of our lives. It rained, sideways rain, the whole weekend. We stayed in a bed and breakfast. I hate bed and breakfast. I am a control freak, choleric, blinding, choleric leader. I want to be in charge, rule the roost. I hated it. We went downtown, the city sucked. I was so depressed. I was like, God, what are you doing to me? We hopped in a taxi, used our little youth pastor money to take a taxi out to the Hutt Valley of New Zealand where Brian Houston and Phil Pringle and Brooke Fraser and Paul Dion all grew up, or just Greater Wellington anyway for Pastor Phil. But we got out to the Hutt Valley. In the back of that taxi, my wife began to cry. True story. She looked at me and said, we're moving here, aren't we? I didn't even know what to say. I just looked at her and went. It was that bad. When we got to the Hutt Valley, when we got to the Hutt Valley, I was alone and afraid and the power of God just touched my life. I said, share with my wife. I said, baby, one day in the future, we're going to build a large facility here in the Hutt Valley. It's going to be a place where we house our midweek operations, our Bible college. We're going to gather pastors from across this country and in our Bible college. We're going to raise a new generation of leaders for this whole country and beyond. Did you know that if I was in that taxi cab right now, the fourth row of the auditorium would be the outside wall of the Arise Center? That building is a testimony to the fact that God is able to fulfill his word. It is an absolutely amazing miracle what the Lord has done. We began to ask God for miracles, friends, and miracles began to take place. And I'm here to tell you that when God's people begin to believe him for miracles, miracles start happening. When we started building the Arise Center, all up that building is a $14 million project. We had a bank balance of $1.2 million. We built that building over a three-year period. It now has a debt of $2 million on it. An absolute miracle of fundraising and blessing. But I'm here to tell you, when you start asking God for miracles, miracles start happening. And guys, does anybody believe God's able? Our God can do it. If you believe it, say amen. See, my friends, here's my question for you tonight. What's the difference between Axa and Othniel? Why was Othniel so reluctant and Axa so willing? Why do we find one who just bowls up to Caleb and presents her request? 
and another is not willing to even have a go at all. The answer is that the difference between Axa and Othniel is how well they knew the father. One knew the father intimately and so was willing to ask. One did not and was reluctant. And I want you to know that the closer I get to my God, the bolder my prayers become. I reckon God is looking for somebody. Anybody got some bold prayers out there? Your Father in heaven delights to give good things to those that ask Him. Listen, when you read the Bible, the Bible is just a list of people who asked for the most outrageous things. Joshua prayed and said, let the sun stand still. And defying the laws of gravity, of moon and tides and the order of the universe, the sun stood still in response to the prayers of one man. Elijah prayed and said, let fire fall from heaven. And God didn't leave him hanging. Supernatural fire fell, consumed not only the animal on the altar, but the stones and the water that had been poured over it too. Hezekiah prayed and said, God, give me life, even though the prophet Isaiah has said I would die. And Isaiah, as he left the, the palace, had to turn around and go back and say, Hezekiah, because you prayed, God just reversed my prophetic word. Oh my gosh, God will change a word over you. God will change a label over you. God will change your destiny for you if you just come to him and ask. Anybody believe him for that? Jabez means pain. And God said, if you will pray, that when Jabez prayed, God reversed the curse of his name and prospered his life. Blind Bartimaeus said, Lord, may I see? And he saw. Peter said, let me walk on water. And he walked on the water. Hello. The early disciples said, let us preach your word with boldness and let signs and wonders take place. And that's exactly what happened. The entire book of Jeremiah is alive with one thing, that God is looking for his people to ask him for things. And the verse that unlocks the entire book of Jeremiah is Jeremiah 33, verse three. My, if you would ask me, then I would show you great and mighty things things that you do not know from beginning to end. This is what the Bible is saying. God wants his people to ask him for stuff. And church, how about we get a new generation? How about we get some young people with some bold prayers? How about we start believing God for mighty things to begin to happen? I'm here to tell you that God is in the business of answering the prayers of a praying church. And I reckon it's time for someone to ask. Wag five people again and say, it's definitely time to ask. It's definitely time to ask. Ephesians 3.20. Now God is able to do immeasurably more than all that we could ask. At the beginning of last year, or 2017, I was on holiday. And every time I read my Bible, I kept seeing that when Jesus walked the earth, miracles just kept on happening. And I thought, Lord, 
if you see greater things, then it shouldn't be only Jesus that sees miracles. I should see miracles. So I started praying every day, God, let me see miracles. Now, Andy Kabbalah and I were groomsmen in each other's weddings. I'm the church builder. He's the miracle worker. So I'm asking God to give me what he's given to Andy Kabbalah. But I just kept praying to God every day. I want to see miracles. I want to see miracles. I got back from that holiday. And one week later, about this time of the year, I get a phone call from one of my dear friends, an evangelist in my church, a famous Samoan preacher in my congregation. He said, John, he was crying. He said, the doctors have given my wife six weeks to live. They've found seven tumors, one in her brain, the other six down her spine, and she's about to die. I said, Ivan, I'm on the next plane. I'm coming to Christchurch. I'm going to pray for you. I jumped on a plane and I flew down there. 5.30 that morning, God told me, every time, every time she goes to the doctors, she's going to get a better report than what she thought. That's all I had. I walked into that house. When I walked in, it was like the scene where the, the girl had died in Jairus' home and everybody was singing the dirge. Her mother was literally stroking her arm and weeping as she said goodbye to her daughter. And I realized that I'd been in that home two years prior when Julia's other sister had died of cancer too. I stood in that lounge room. I felt alone and afraid. But I said to her, Julia, this is what God told me. Every time you go to the doctor, you'll get a better report than what you thought. I said, I'm going to pray for you now. And I'm not going to pray an empty prayer. I'm believing that you're going to be totally healed. And I'll go out praying like that, but I'm declaring a miracle of healing over your life. So I began to pray. Now, when your friend's wife is dying of cancer, you pray like a crazy man. I was yelling. I didn't care who was in the house. I was just praying for her. I was going for it. The mother is crying, stroking her arm. One minute, two minutes, five minutes, nothing. Six minutes in, Julie grabs her mother's arm and throws it off her body. 30 seconds later, she says, I can feel the Holy Spirit. He's in my head. He's in my head. She starts going, thank you, Holy Spirit. You're in my head. Then she said, I can feel the Holy Spirit. He's in my back. Then she said, I can feel the Holy Spirit. He's in my legs. Then she turned to her husband, big Pacific lady, and she said to her husband, I have to walk. So he jumps up. If you, you don't know the context, but you'd understand that's how they talk. She jumps up, and, she's, and uh, he, he jumps up, and she used to have one of those walking frames to get to the toilet because the tumors had taken away her ability to walk. So Ivan lifts her out of her chair, and she just goes walking backwards and forwards across that lounge room, just like this. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I was so freaked out. I was the most surprised person in the whole house. On Tuesday, there was a Sunday. On Tuesday, they went in to do a half-hour biopsy on one of the tumors so they could find out what it was going on. And they went in to do the half-hour biopsy. Four hours later, Ivan calls me and he's crying. He says, John, they're still operating and no one will tell me anything. Five hours, he calls me back. No one will tell me anything. Six hours, seven hours of operations. The doctor comes out 
His first two words to Ivan are, I'm sorry. If your wife has been operated on for six, for seven hours, you'd be gone all night. He goes, I'm so sorry. He said, we can, we've got the, the scans and all that. We can see the tumors. We've spent the last seven hours looking for them. We can see where they were and the damage they did cause. But the tumors are all gone. All gone. That's January 2017. She sits on the front row of our church every Sunday. The doctors have said, we don't even want to see you again. She's walking in total healing in her body. They've literally said, it's gone. Their exact words, cancer doesn't disappear. But in your case, it did. How many people believe that our God is able to answer our requests of Him? Our God can do it. There's a miracle on the way. There's a God, a breakthrough, a God who is able. If you believe it, stand to your feet and give that God some praise. Our God is able. It's time to ask. It's time to ask. It's time to ask. Come on, come on. All over this building, all over this building, there are dreams that need to come alive again. There are dormant prayers that need to be revived again. There are things God told you He's going to do, and God is still able to do them. If you believe your God is able, give Him some praise all over this place. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Oh, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is here tonight. That's what we're going to do. In a moment, I'm going to hand over to your senior pastor and we're going to pray tonight and believe for miracles for people. We're going to believe that God is going to revive, revive promises in you. God's got homes. God's got salvations. God's got doors that are going to open. God's got blessings on the way. If you believe it, say amen. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, if you're in this room and you're saying there is an ask that I need to bring before my God, I just feel to say this. I don't know why. Thirteen and a half years ago, I stood at an altar because all my life I wanted a son. I stood at an altar because the preacher said, we're going to ask God for stuff. And I sat on that altar. I came to the front of that service. I cried like a baby. And I said, God, give me a son. That boy's now 12 years old. His name is Will Cameron. He's a world changer. And I pray right now that as we open this altar, and people begin to ask God for things. That honestly, our God is able to answer the things that we ask Him for. If you believe it, shout some praise. Bring down the wall. Shout the praise. Shout the praise. Shout the praise. He's the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. Our God is able. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. So all over this auditorium, there are people who say, John, I want to ask God for...